When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Without a doubt, probably one of the more unanticipated, I don't know how to put it, but I, no one Stunning. Really, there you go. Shocking. Podcast topics we have for quite a while. Oklahoma Aggravating. to Iowa State. I loved Lincoln Riley's comments, though, whenever he was asked what was Sunday like for him, what was Saturday night, he goes... It sucked. <laughs> and, yep. and, again, you know, that's the – Copy that, and paste that to every Sooner fan <laughs> in the world. Saturday is not good. I, so, you and I have talked about this a lot because I have that personality to where I'm just going to say, oh, it, it could be okay. Mm-hmm. And every situation in life, everything is going to be okay. Um, not everyone wants to hear that, and that's been a hard thing to kind of learn and adjust to, but – I thought Lincoln Riley answered every question. I think every player now, we've heard from Baker twice since the loss, Oboe twice since the loss. Uh, there's not really much more you can add to it from the players and the coaches, except we don't know who's going to play this weekend as far as yeah. injuries are concerned. No, I mean, it was a collective failure um, from offense and some of the missed opportunities. The turnover obviously was costly. The missed field goal, the inability – to find guys against the eight-man coverage late in the game, especially the way they played in the second half. Yeah, certainly defensively, there there are a multitude of things you can point at from uh, penalties, costly penalties, poor tackling, which Lincoln pointed out. 
Um, poor pass coverage at times. It couldn't make they couldn't make a play when they had to make a play in the second half. They couldn't come up with a play. And um, special teams, you know, I, m- I mentioned the field goal. I didn't think about that. Oh, uh, yeah. How how little has that really been talked about? Yeah, it was. It was. It takes. I'll tell you what, if you had talked to Matt Campbell, we did talk to Matt Campbell before the game. And one of the questions to him was, what do you got to do to win this game? And I don't even remember what his answer was. But I'm sure it was something like, we can't turn it over. Right. We've got to force turnovers. We need to keep the ball away from Baker Mayfield. And, and they did that. They possessed the ball and made this a short game with very few possessions in it. And they executed perfectly. I mean, Iowa State, with a backup walk-on quarterback and a linebacker playing quarterback, executed perfectly. And on top of, you know, Oklahoma had to do a whole bunch of things wrong, and Iowa State had to do a whole bunch of things right for them to win this game, and they did. Mm -hmm. All of it happened. And that's how you arrive at one of the most stunning upsets um, certainly in OU football history and, and the most stunning upset in college football this year. Oklahoma right now, through five games, owns the best win and the worst loss in, loss in the nation at the same time. Yeah, and boy, I have uh, I listened to two hours of your show today. I've uh, I consumed the entire press conference. Obviously, when, when something like this happens, it, it reminded me a lot of 11 whenever Oklahoma lost to Texas Tech in a surprising eh, – there was all kinds of issues around that game. This one, though, hits me as maybe the most stunning. What was it, 73-74 against Kansas? Just because, much like most games, Toby, they jumped out early. They seemed to be in complete control of this game. Yeah. Uh, 14-0, uh, even whenever Iowa State had put together a bit of a rally, they still had the, the situation down on the goal line. Um, I, I keep going back to, to late in the first half, too, whenever they had an opportunity to kind of salt if they go, it away. If they score late in the first half, it's 31-10 at halftime. Yeah. Uh, OU had the ball four times and had scored all four times, mm-hmm. and they forced a punt, and they got the ball back with over two minutes to go, up 24-10. to 10. Hadn't been stopped yet. And no. you thought at that point, well, you could probably count on three. You could probably count on seven here. Right. So we're either looking at 27-10 to 10 at half or 31-10. to 10. That game's over. Right. But they don't. They go three and out, give the ball back, give up a uh, uh, a long pass that ends up uh, uh, ca- you know resulting in a field goal for Iowa State, and it's 24-13 instead of 31-10. Instead of a 21-point game, it's an 11-point game, and you go, hmm. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, Iowa State gets the ball first in the second half. If they go score, this is a one-possession game, and that's exactly what they did. And I thought at that point – Iowa State started to brim with confidence, and Oklahoma started to panic and say, "Well, gulp, you right. know, we're we're not. This isn't supposed to be a game. Not only is it a game, but we're on the brink of maybe losing this thing." And from that point on, Iowa State was near perfect, and Oklahoma was far from it. Did you hear anyone blaming the alternate uniforms on your radio sure. show today, or the yeah. stripe the stadium? <laughs> Absolutely, everything. Well, I was not very good Saturday. Uh, the I thought it was a uh, 
a terrible decision not to have Tom Petty as one of our song choices yes, on the big screen. There you go. On Saturday, you got interrupted by an official trying to do a sideline report on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. make it to Lincoln Riley's pregame interview on Friday because of a traffic jam. That's never happened oh to my. me ever. Uh, there was a bright red full moon on uh, Friday night when I went outside at, at dusk. It was a weird weekend, man, across the board. Iowa State, we wake up Saturday morning and get confirmation that they, they didn't bring a quarter their quarterback to this game. Right. And I think at that point, you know, everybody, probably, I know me, and I wouldn't, you know, probably some players right. too thought, man, I mean, you know. They didn't even have their quarterback. We're I mean, pointing out Ben Cole to Jelly where to go for this meeting. He's got to be a part of that door World right there. That guy. Yeah. He's already he's already given me Lon Kruger yet today. It's right in there. Mm. We shut you out. Apologize Sorry, for that, that's Ben. Okay. Yeah. Ben's very We're doing crucial. a podcast right he's now. Very, it's good to have you on it. That's my guy, by the way. He got me Lon Kruger today. Coming up on Thursday's podcast, Friday's podcast. But but no, you're right. Everything was odd. Everything was. I got you, you mentioned the the mid first <laughs> scoreboard update. I don't think what Alex, happened there. Okay, so we had it twice. We had we had. Two or three things happened. First of all, uh, was that in the f- that was was that in the first half or the it, second? No, it was the fumble. It was the okay. second half. In the first half, one, they're supposed to go from uh, the update into a promo, and I'm reading mm-hmm. a liner. And as I'm reading the liner, I happen to look up and I see I'm on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> reading by phone, and I'm like, well, this is good. And you can hear some – every so often I can hear the crowd, you're, uh, and I'm kind of laughing, so I look back up. There's like, what? And then we're, we're, we're doing the update in your head. It's like, okay, go, Chris, go, Chris. And I've, and I've recruited the cheerleaders to help us out. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to get a good reaction because Saquon Barkley had like negative 10 yards. Right. So as soon as we go to the highlight, I realize I'm not going out – over the you overhead. can't hear your voice, yeah. But I'm going to keep going through, and I hear them in my, my ear saying, whoa, whoa, bust I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Busted, busted, busted. And the cheerleader looks, goes, well, you, you did a really good job. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. It's the darndest thing. I've never seen it before. The Red Hat, who is in charge of when we take timeouts, it's the official, everybody's seen it if they've been to a game, the official that wears a red hat and a lot of times a red shirt walks out onto the field and that means we're taking a television timeout. Right. We're taking a media timeout. And he walked out on the field. It was a it was the fumble was over. There was a change of possession. TV's going to a commercial break. The red hat's out on the field. So you start doing your right. update as That's you right. should. And the referee looked at the red hat and said, Get off the field. I'm ignoring it. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I mean, I'm ignoring wow. your request for a television timeout. We're just gonna keep playing football here. So yeah, it was just a weird you, you mentioned it as well. Just with, I got that phone call from you, and it's not uncommon for us to talk on a Friday if it's about audio, or especially if we're on the road. But whenever you go, are you near Sooner Vision? I think, oh, this is an adapter. Yeah, man, I got you. And I don't live too far from mm-hmm. campus, further than I used to, but not too far. And when you laid out that you'd been stuck in traffic, and I turned on TV and uh, actually jumped on the internet, and I watched that they had helicopters <laughs> circling where I was. <laughs> I sat still on the Kilpatrick Turnpike for a solid hour. It was one of those where everybody's getting out of their cars and walking around, you know, that kind of a thing. Not not in parking, creeping, like right. parked. And uh, <sighs> the, the time from when I'm supposed to get to Lincoln is getting tight, tight, tight. It's past. Now I'm not. Now I'm just not. I mean, I called Julie, his assistant, Julie and said, Watson. I'm not making it. And, you know, we, we found a backup plan, but. That's the kind of weekend it was. None of us were on our game, and 
Iowa State won it. Well, and I'll I'll add I was it was funny because I had mentioned that on Friday my daughter, whom I love, went over two in softball, left the bases loaded twice, mm. s- took six pitches right down the middle. Right, even Tulsa. she could have had a better weekend. She could have. The Raiders get smoked yesterday. <laughs> how about how about my alma mater? Tulsa goes on the road, has their game pushed up to ten a.m. and gives up sixty two points. Oh. So overall, Toby. This Col- is a completely compl- the Colts won yeah. in o- did it take them overtime? This overtime week? to beat the 49ers. <laughs> Adam Vinatieri. Hey, same record as the Raiders Watch. right now. Look out, Jacoby Brissett and Andrew Luck getting healthy. That's my right. oh my! Uh, so now that we, I don't know if we've successfully put Iowa State behind no. us. No, I don't know if it, we ever it will, will never be behind us. <laughs> I don't know if that's something. Maybe listen, if Oklahoma wins the rest of their games and wins the national championship this year, you know what we'll do the morning after the national championship? How do we lose to Iowa State? What the heck happened this Saturday? They lost to Iowa State. Now, <laughs> that being said, they gotta they gotta figure some things out, or they're not gonna win Saturday, much less any hopes of going to a college football playoff. There's some <sighs> serious warning signs out there. Arnie Arnie Spanier, who's my co-host on Sunday nights, who. I think in life revels more in other people's dismay than mm. anything that could possibly – the Knicks could win an NBA title. But if, let's say, the Thunder were to lose in the first round, he would be happier about that mm-hmm. than, say, the Knicks. So he brought up a funny point, though, last night. He's like, you know, there's going to be a time whenever you're, like, in your 70s and your grandchildren are going to sit on your lap and you're going to tell them about that awful sports weekend <laughs> in early October yeah. when all your teams lost. But – all right, so we've we've been real about it, but you're, everything is still laid out. Though Teddy brought it up with you, and I mean, this is two weeks in a row. We might get Ted on the podcast again this week. Everything appears to be fixable. And Oboe, I thought, listen, Oboe has been a great leader for this team, and it's a dude that you've seen as sometimes we forget about guys that don't flash in their freshman or sophomore year, mm-hmm. by the if, if you're if you're not a superstar by the time you're you're a sophomore, then we've we've moved on to the next recruiting class. But here is a guy that did his junior year. He last year he was a regular starter, and I think he's really emerged as a leader. And you could sense it that to him it seemed like it was a lot of effort issues in the way that he brought that up. And when I hear him say that, and I hear Ted say that things are fixable, that gives me hope. Now is that just Homer hope, or I mean? Time will tell. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, here's what I find encouraging, and then I'll tell you what I find troubling. Okay. Um, I, I'm encouraged because of the way they played against Ohio State. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it from this team. We've seen against what's, by the way, proving out to be a big-time offense. I mean, if you've watched what Ohio State has done since they played Oklahoma, would they put 69 or 60-something on the board against Maryland this Destroyed week? Destroyed them. Destroyed. Um, I didn't look at uh, JT Barrett's stats. Ah, we can pull them up right here. But he has had great stats ever since the OU game. To to see the way they played against Ohio State, you know it's in them. You know they're capable of being a really good defense. Um, and the and the guy I said this last week, the guy who is the focal point right now of the disdain is Jordan Thomas. And there's another guy who has done it. It's not like he's a freshman or a transfer, and you don't know if he can do it. He's done it. He's done it for years in this conference now, seven interceptions, more passes broken up than anybody else in this conference. Jordan Thomas has been a really good player for Oklahoma, and he's in a terrible slump right now, but you know it's in there. So those two things give me hope that, yeah, they can 
pull themselves up by the bootstraps defensively uh, like they did a year ago, improve as the season goes along, and still be a very good defense. I don't think they have to be Alabama defensively because they've got a good offense. They've got to be better. They've got to be a lot better than they were Saturday. They don't have to be the number one ranked defense in the country. Uh, The thing that gives me big-time worries is they have faced two of the worst passing attacks in the Big 12 in Baylor and Iowa State and got lit up by both of them. And there are much more prolific air games ahead of them. I mean, significantly more. Texas is better than those two. And Texas doesn't necessarily – Texas has some really good wide receivers. Um and But obviously Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and TCU and West Virginia all have much more potent offenses and passing games than Baylor and Iowa State do. And if Oklahoma's having a hard time, a terrible time, uh, you know, stopping Zach Smith and Kyle Kempt, was that his name, yep. Kyle? Yep. Then Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. That makes you not sleep. So... I mean, we'll see. I'm kind of like you and everybody else right now, just kind of ha- hanging on for dear life and see where this team takes you next. And hopefully against Texas, they show some signs of positivity. Uh, we, of course, wrap up the Tuesday podcast with the Lincoln Rally press conference. So that's coming up here in just a bit. But, Toby, as you and I kind of wrap up here, looking back and looking ahead, was there anything else that really stood out from what Coach Riley said today? You know, it's it's uh, he didn't have much to reveal on the injury front. I was hoping that he would say CD and Abdul Adams are fine. He didn't. Uh, he didn't say they aren't. So maybe maybe he just doesn't want Texas to know, which I wouldn't blame him if that's fine. the case. Yep. Um, and Stephen Parker falls into that same category. I, I don't think we're going to know until you're down on the sideline Saturday watching them come out and see what they look like. And we'll obviously be giving people updates and. That's a great reason among many to listen to our uh, radio broadcast. We're on the air two hours before kickoff, and we got you guys on the sidelines. We're going down to the field this week, we think. Watching every move from these guys to see how they look. I thought it was interesting that uh, Lincoln admitted that they are thinner defensively than they are on offense. Not that, you know, we all probably didn't know that, but for him to, as the head coach, come out and say, listen, we just don't have the depth on defense that we have on offense right now. And so we, when we suffer injuries, it really it really hurts us on that side of the ball. Uh, Stephen Parker, if he can't go, oh. it will be, a, will be a big one for them. And, you know, Matt, Matt Romar was a really nice player last year, and he just has not been able to stay on the field. And Devontae Lampkin, I thought, had a good game for him on Saturday, but they need all the help they can get right now getting a pass rush on somebody else. So the fact that he said we're – we're not as deep on defense. I thought was uh, was an interesting thing. I th- I think it's good though to see that uh, Baker's still able to fit in a zinger about uh, Lake Travis. What would he say? <laughs> Sam Ellinger. Oh, that's right. Because uh, we just did the interview. I- is it Ellinger or Ellinger? Gurr. Ellinger. I okay. looked it up. Yeah, Ellinger. Right. Because they were calling it both mm-hmm. on Saturday night during the broadcast. Uh, so Ellinger went to one of the rival high schools, Westlake, I believe it was. Okay. And <laughs> when Baker was asked, "Hey, did you watch?" Texas, Kansas State, what do you know about Sam Ellinger? He goes, I know he played for Westlake and they never beat Lake Travis. And deadpan <laughs> and turned and waited for that. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's leadership, confidence. I don't think it's lacking. 
Some might say, well, it just took a wake-up call. That's one heck of a wake-up call. Yeah, <laughs> and it oh needs boy. to wake up uh, and to get things rolling. But, I, I mean, the talent's there. I mean, this team has it. It's just now, will it all come together in time to kind of knock off Texas and set this season back on track? History has proven, and here we go into the people don't want to be made to feel better thing, but just stating facts, two of the last three national champions lost at home to an unranked team the year they won the national championship. Ohio State to Virginia Tech three years ago. Oh, which was a bad loss. Clemson to Pitt last year late in the season. That was over halfway through the season they lost at home. And went on to win the national championship. And Oklahoma, two years ago, got beat by a 1-4 and Texas team. That wasn't quite as stunning as the Iowa State game because it was Texas, but it was pretty stunning because we thought Oklahoma was going to roll in that game. They lost to a 1-4 and Texas team and went on to the college football playoff. So history proves that it doesn't have to be debilitating, but... I mean, they got they got things to figure out. They got things to figure out, and uh, it yeah, at, with every passing day this week, uh, you gradually will start to get antsier and antsier and antsier. <laughs> I'm antsy right now for Saturday to get here because one, it's OU Texas, and that's awesome, right? And two, you're nervous about this game because uh. if they lose this game, the wheels could come off of this season. Yeah. Three, it's Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman for the first of who knows how many times. This could be a great coaching rivalry in this series, and maybe this is the start of it. Both of them look like they've got some bravado to them, and they're not afraid to kind of, you know, maybe talk a little noise. And how fun's that going to be for oh. the next, who knows, you know, seven years or whatever, and how these long these guys are here. And on top of all that, you just want to know what Oklahoma's going to look like. It's a total mystery right now as to – what Oklahoma really is. Are they the team that lost to Iowa State, that lost to Texas? If that's the case, Texas is better than OU. Yeah. Or are they the team that beat Ohio State, that crushed Maryland, that crushed Texas? If that's the case, then Oklahoma's better than Texas. Significantly better. So who knows what we're going to see. Can Saturday – this is going to be a long week. Mm-hmm. This is gonna, It's going to be a long week, and it's going to be a really long drive down to Dallas. And then a really long night, and the next thing you know, we'll be sitting there in the post-game show and either be like, all right, back yeah. on track. Or, That's what's great about it, though, isn't it? Because I've already bit all my nails, <laughs> and it's Monday. Yeah. <laughs> We're in trouble. Thanks, Toby. Uh, no. A quick review of the, the Iowa State game. Um, again, uh, echo a lot of the same things I said after the game. Uh, very – very disappointed. We've got a disappointed group, but a very, very hungry group to respond. Um, uh, I think uh, looking back on it, the only thing I would say that maybe was a little bit different after watching the tape than maybe what I felt on the field, um, I do think there was some improvement in our pass coverage. I think a lot of the, the passing yards, a lot of the, the yards that, 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 that came in the passing game were, were yards after the catch, whether they be bubble screens, whatever. And so I feel like more of the issues in that game was our tackling. Um, and, and again, you get so many yards after the catch, um, you know, that's going to add up quickly. Where I felt like, comparing that to the Baylor game, you know, we gave up a lot of big plays, a lot of big plays down the field, busted some coverages, some things like that. So, uh, still got to do a better job in pass coverage. We had a chance to make just several competitive plays. 
um, that you know you're not going to make every single one of them, but we've got good enough players that we've got to make we've got to make more. Um, Get proud of the way that we stopped the run. You know, we've really been strong against the run all year. Um, that's been a strength of ours and something that's going to be important going forward here. Uh, offensively, you know, we did we did some good things, um, but certainly we're not consistent enough. We had just some small, minor, uh, fundamental errors that really made a big impact on the game, uh, especially on a couple of key plays. Um, and probably the biggest disappointment offensively is the the, the two-minute situations at the end of each half, you know, that we that we really didn't do a very good job and, and wasn't called very well by me. So uh, we've got to bounce back and got to respond. That's part of college football these days. Um, obviously got a, a, a big one this week with Texas that's big regardless of what's happened in the past. Um, one of the great games in college football year in and year out and one that we're very much looking forward to uh, going down to Dallas and play. So we'll go questions from there. What's your injury situation? Uh, still, honestly, a little bit unknown. You know, we've got a lot of guys that that, that are banged up. We're going to have to see how they progress through the week. Some of those guys that came out of the game the other day. Um, I don't think at this point that we could rule anybody 100% out, but some of these guys are going to have to make some progress through the week to be ready to play. CD, one of those guys, and, and uh, Abdul Adams, also one of those guys. Yeah, they would be in that group, yes. Lincoln, as you watch the, you said offensively, as you watch things, did Lincoln, did uh, Baker once again look more big plays? Did he have some things underneath he could have gone to to move the chains a little bit more? Not honestly, not much. Um, you know, he I thought he handled the 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 drop eight stuff pretty well. Honestly, there was I think maybe two times. Uh, you know, maybe the last play of the game and uh, where we we had a busted route and then the uh, and then the. Uh, the sack that we gave up before we scored the last touchdown, you know, or maybe we could have handled it better. But he was he was pretty patient. He scrambled for several first downs, you know, threw a couple of uh, big third down conversions in that. So no, I, I think he uh, I think he handled it pretty well, honestly. In the last two games, it seems like kind of a common denominator is when things start going wrong, it's hard for your team to rebound, and it's been kind of on both sides of the ball. How do you? address that moving forward to get more consistency? Well, I, I think you've got to look at what you think causes the problem, you know, and for us, you know, spending some time thinking about the last two weeks, I, I really feel like that, you know, we've got to, our expectations can't be relative to the team we're playing, regardless of what we think of them or more really what the outside world tells us about them. You know, our expectations have got to be based on us us playing at our very best level. And uh, I honestly feel like we, as a team, maybe, you know, expected uh, to, to really separate, knew we had an opportunity to do it. And then, you know, our expectations are so high that when something doesn't go our way, we've, we, we haven't handled it well. And that falls back on me. That's, that's, that's the mentality of your team. Um, and we've... You know, we handled it well early in the season, um, you know, and, but we, we have not the last two weeks. So that's something I've got to do a better job with, with these guys' mentality. Sorry, how much um, the, the fast start, the, the mantra during the offseason, we got to start fast, we got to start fast. Uh, you got up 14 nothing against Baylor and 14 yep. nothing against, uh, yep. against Iowa State and give up the lead both games. Is there any correlation to so much emphasis on starting fast and maybe not an emphasis on finishing, or how does that work? Well, the starting fast for us was more of playing well early in the season when we talked about starting fast. Those early games, which I, I think we did coming out, you know, those non-conference games, we really wanted to, you know, 
play at a higher level than we felt like we had in the previous years. And uh, yeah, so I think now for us, uh, you know, I really feel like after the Ohio State game, there was a little bit within our team of, you know, all of a sudden your ranking goes to this and everybody expects you to beat this and everybody thinks that, you know, it's the same thing that I, I read that, you know, Alabama and Coach Saban are dealing with a little bit. You know, they, they win by eight in College Station, which is a tough place to win any year, any time. And, you know, they're getting ridiculed too. I mean, you you feel that and your players do. And it, it's the head coach's job to, to get them in the right mindset. And that's, 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 that's why I get paid. Do what? Is it like rat poison when guys are reading? I think he. I think he put it nicely. (laughs) Was it that the receivers weren't as open, or Baker didn't get to them in that three-man, sometimes four-man, but mostly a three-man rush when he had some time? (coughs) Some guys maybe weren't getting open. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you've got to, you've got to call good stuff against it. There was some times where I had some, some bad calls against it, and again, just the. The sheer numbers of if they drop eight people and you can only get five guys into a route, I mean, you know, you're gonna you're talking about three different guys being double covered out there. And so it's you know, the holes are tight and you've got to sometimes you're gonna have a great call and you're gonna you're gonna find a seam or whatever it is in there and hit it. But then you've also got to have patience and understand that, you know what, we're pretty good up front. He's probably gonna have some time if they're only rushing three guys. So and Baker's always, you know, done a good job in scramble or kind of broken plate type situations. So you live with those a little bit as a coach. You you understand that playing against drop eight teams. So um, yeah, no, I, I think like I said, we had a couple of, of busted routes in the games, a couple just little things where our depths or small details aren't correct that when you're playing against drop eight teams, you've got to be a little bit more precise than what we were is maybe a better way of saying it. Talk, you talk about your emotions this week as both parents being Texas alums and this game, what what means to you there? Yeah, I, I I got past that honestly a long time ago, you know, playing those guys at, at, at Texas Tech all those years and so um uh, it, it'll be an emotional game because it's OU Texas, you know, not 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 because of anything else for me. I've you know enjoyed being a part of that game the last couple of years. Learned a lot about it and how it is. It is different. It's it's a different vibe, different atmosphere. So it's, it's a great game and and one that we're going to embrace and look forward to playing in. As a follow up to the drop eight question, um, the the flea flicker looked good. Gained 13 yards, I think. The uh, double pass a couple plays later, maybe the next play. Uh, look good, gained 17 yards. Is that a kind of a way to get those the secondary to loosen up some? Oh, they didn't produce big plays, but yet. Yeah, they weren't even really in that coverage. I think at that point, if I remember correctly, now, I know they weren't. Um, so, well, why did we call those plays? You're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, because we thought they were good plays. I mean, we got we averaged 30 yards on them. I should have called more of them. <laughs> Lincoln, uh, yeah. I've been able to kick a field over 40 yards since the 2015 season. Oh. Is there any thought process to give somebody else a chance? Yeah, we, we, we've looked at it, you know, and, and you base it on, I mean, you've got given a couple, you've given Austin some opportunities in games. He really, honestly, this year, it's just kind of the way it's worked out. Hasn't had as many as we would have liked him to have had. Some for a good reason. We've scored a lot down there. Mm-hmm. And, and then the ones that we've stalled out have been kind of in that, that you know, mid 50 yard range where it's, you know, it's a little bit tight. Do you go for it or not? So I, the one thing that I'm encouraged by though, again, he, you know, he missed the one earlier this year against Ohio state where we had the, had the bad snap, but he's, I thought last year on the field, some of those, he, he just simply wasn't hitting the ball. Well, I mean, they weren't several of those last year weren't close. They weren't, 
they just didn't look like him where even the one the other day he's really hitting the ball well and he's done really well in practice so I I'm still pretty confident in Austin Seibert. I, I am. I just I, he's a really, really good kicker, and I, I feel like you know he hadn't had a ton of opportunities this year, but I think he's getting ready to get on a roll. How much of a concern is getting a more consistent pass rush for you guys? I, you know, I actually think we're we're making strides there. You know, if you look at a lot of their throws from the other day, it was a lot of here I'm taking my first read and getting the ball out of my hands right now, which is what they did. And so, you know, against a quick passing game, you know. The, you're not going to get there all the time. The thing we would like to see is we need to get our hands up and get more tip balls. You know, that was something we, we got quite a few of here the last few years. And so I would say we've got to do a better job of that, of getting pushed from the interior and getting our hands up. But, uh, you know, I didn't feel like that they had all day to throw the football. And, and the couple of times that, that, that they did, we, we were able to get pressure or at least be right there. So I, I think we're headed in the right direction. You like that, that uh, first read, the, the th- throwing the ball on the first read, do you feel like that was like a, make, maybe an adjustment on their part after, what, four sacks and seven PBUs against Texas? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, that and then having a new quarterback, it probably was. And uh, they just, you know, they had a plan to give their receivers chances to make competitive plays. And like I said, give them credit. They, they threw the ball a heck of a lot better than they did against Texas. Against Texas, they, there were four or five of those that were out of bounds, you know, so they weren't catchable by either side. So they, they made some really nice throws and catches, you know, and they, you got to give them credit for that. Do we expect our guys to make more of the competitive plays? Yes. Uh, but again, the thing I'm most disappointed about is whether it's a, you know, a ball down the field or the, you know, especially the bubble screens, the quick screens, those are the ones you can't be giving up, you know, 15, 20 yards a pop on. And that's obviously we got to do better there with our tackling. In the second half, you used Madette on kickoff returns, but it didn't look like you used him at receiver. You went with Brown. Did you talk about that decision? You lost Lamb earlier. And so the two wide receivers really didn't, weren't playing in the second half. Yeah, you know, Bidette was we, – we felt like Brown was playing better. You know, Bidette had two drops that were two critical drops for us. And, uh, yeah, we just simply felt like Marquise was, was playing a little bit better at that point. Lincoln, when, when you have a player like, uh, like Jordan Thomas, who's played a lot of football here but struggling right now, how do you encourage him? How do you keep him to keep his head up with the tail end of the season coming up? Well, he's, he's just got to trust that, 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 that he's a good player. He knows how to make these plays. He's been a little bit snake bit, honestly. You know, we felt like a couple of times the other day he had good coverage and, 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 and a flag comes out. You know, he's just some guys have made some great plays. I mean, he was in really nice position on the on the one on the, their final touchdown. So, I mean, I, I think he's got to keep his confidence. He's got to keep working on the fundamentals and practice and trust that, that, you know, some of those plays are going to start going his way. And they will. Like a little more on the defense. If you take a big picture view, whether short-term, last couple games, or maybe longer term, your defense really hasn't played to Oklahoma standards, I guess you could say. The last five years, I don't think you guys have been better than 39th, but once. This is a three-part question, so sorry about the multiple parts here. But long term, are there things that you feel like can be done? Maybe some things have already been started to try to improve defense. Short term, are there anything anything that you guys feel like you can do to uh, change that? And then is change potential at any of the coaching positions? Is that on the table at this point? No, that's not on the table. No, that's, um, we're, we've got a really good defensive staff, and that's who we're going to have. Um, uh, yeah, long term, I mean, you're always going to look to get better. I, I think the one area that we can continue to improve on is just continuing to recruit. Um, you know, the thing that, that has really been a factor, um, especially the last couple of weeks, is our depth defensively. You know, we we are not as deep defensively as we are offensively. You know, we've been able to withstand like the other day, you know, Drew Samia is not able to play. 
you know, we're able to plug Cody Ford right in there and not really miss a beat on the offensive line where our, 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 our first guys are a good group defensively, but we've got to get more quality depth. And that's really across the board at, at, at all positions. And uh, so that's, that's, I think, going to be a factor certainly going forward and something that we're, you know, we feel like with last year's class and, and where we're headed with this year's class that we're, that we're starting to address those needs. Um, and then I think the third part was in the short term. Yeah, I, I think, I think again, I, I think we're making progress as far as some of the some of these young players uh, being in position more. I think the thing for us now is we've got to focus on making the competitive plays, tackling better, and then obviously we can't have you know two foolish penalties. We we've got to play a little bit more discipline there. So. Um, I think it's all within our control. I think we're very much capable of doing it, and I have every confidence that we will. Has it been harder to recruit defensive players with the Big 12 a perception of reality as an offensive conference? Does, does it make it tough to recruit <coughs> high-level defensive uh, linemen, linebackers, things like that? You know, it's, it's not something that, you know, previously I've focused on a lot. You know, that hasn't been my job, but I think, uh, uh, I think we're having a, a good run of it right now, you know, with the guys that we currently have committed. And so, uh, and something we're certainly pushing on more with, with adding, you know, adding rough into the staff, you know, I get another defensive line coach and splitting that up. That was part of that direction or part of that decision was because of that and wanting to head in that direction. So no, I think we're going to be able to recruit great defensive players here. We've had a, a ton over the years and we're going to have a lot more going forward. Lincoln, when you look at the lack of depth and the injuries that, that you've had, does the redshirt situation ever fluctuate for you? Someone like a Charleston Rambo or Justin Royal? Yeah, oh no, no doubt. Those are conversations that you have all the time. And if there's ever if there's ever somebody that's redshirting, especially now with with still so much season left and so much on the table for us, if if there's any player at any position that we feel like could help us win right now, we would we would absolutely entertain pulling that red shirt and playing them. You've had a pretty good uh, honeymoon season up to this point. A honeymoon, uh, you know, beating Ohio State and winning your first whatever it was four games. What was Sunday? I'm just curious. What was Sunday, Saturday night, uh, like for you, Lincoln Riley, <coughs> after you, after your first loss yeah. experience? Yeah, it was. It sucked. To that point, you still had recruits in on yeah. their, for their visit. Was it tough for you to balance that emotion? No, no. Actually, getting around them was the best part. We had we had dinner at the house Saturday night with them, and the rest of the staff and, and families were over. And that actually was probably our saving grace for that day. Honestly, the, the families were great. We had a great kind of just able to kind of get away from everything for a minute. And it was uh, the recruits and families were fantastic as well as the rest of our staff and their families. Lincoln, you, you basically just said talking in theoretical terms saying that, yeah, you would consider it if anyone da, 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 in terms of coming out of red shirt. Specifically, are you considering one or both of those guys coming out? Is that a possibility? Not, not right now. It's not, I, I don't, I don't see you know, we've still got, you know, like I said, we've still got four corners, you know, that we feel like are that that, that are that are healthy and ready to go. Um, so, not not a need to do that right now. But we have we have worked Justin some with our defense. We have traveled him. So if if we did have another injury there, it's something that could happen. Uh, and receiver wise, our depth is pretty good. You know, that's uh, you know I, I feel like that we'll stick to the plan and uh, red shirt Charleston Rambo. Pressure week, and it's a huge pressure game. How do you get these guys to <coughs> enjoy that part of it? Well, I, I think they do enjoy it. I, I think, you know, 
we compared it with them. You look at our mentality against Ohio State, just because everybody goes in expecting it's going to be a four-quarter game, and we were, we were fine. And uh, so we can't, though, we've got to approach every week like it's going to be a four-quarter game. And we've got to go out there just to simply play our best, regardless of what the game situation is or, what, or, or whatever else happens. And that's the mentality that we've got to get across. Probably be a little bit easier to do that this week based on you know, how we played last week based on, you know, the opponent and the magnitude of this game. Coach, your impressions of this uh, Texas team and Coach Herman? Yeah, no, they're they're a good football team. You know, they've been very competitive this year. Um, you know, they're they're doing a really good job defensively creating turnovers. You know, that's probably been probably the strength of their team right now has been being able to they, – they've done a good job against the run and uh, and they've, they've created a lot of turnovers. They've got one safety that's, that's got five interceptions already. Um, so uh, they've done a tremendous job um, on that side of the ball. Um, obviously, they're playing with the – you know, they've bounced the quarterbacks around a little bit, um, but the, the young kid, uh, Ellinger's done a, done a nice job for them um, in, the, I think, the two games that he started. So – Starting to find their footing offensively. I mean, you know, they, they've got really good football players there like they do every single year. And uh, they're playing hard. They've been competitive. I mean, it's it's going to be a great OU-Texas game like it always is. We can talk about defending the quarterback run game because they did that a lot against Kansas State. It's always tough to do, I know. So you use it some a little bit too. So how difficult is that for a defense to stop? Oh, it's, it is difficult. I mean, you just – you get – that extra blocker, you know, changes everything. And then when a guy can do both, it, it makes it even tougher. So, uh, you know, you've got to – the thing you've got to do is you've got to be physical with it. I mean, that's as, – as a coach, as an offensive coach, you look at it and you weigh the risk-reward of how many times do I want to get my guy hit. And uh, because that – those add up. And, uh, and so each coach has got to make that decision. But if we're playing a team that does it, you know, of course we want to do our best to stop the ball. But you've got to – you know, you've got to ride there in a, in a bad mood and make sure that they pay for doing it as well. Some weeks are a little bit different than others. How much did you study Bob the previous two years? And did you talk about him this year on how you handle a week like Ohio State or Texas or anything else coming up? Sure. No, yeah, we, we, we've talked about those things, uh, but those are things I would keep between he and I. What's Stephen Parker's injury situation? Yeah, I uh, wasn't able to go in the second half. Uh, he, I would put him kind of, I would classify him in that same group. You know, I, I think, I think there's a shot for this week, but it's just going to depend on how he responds to treatment. Who replaces him? Uh, either Robert Barnes, uh, Khalil Houghton, or Chance Sylvie. All those guys can play that position. Lincoln, Baker and Orlando both mentioned that there's been a difference at halftime of the Iowa State game and the Baylor game versus Ohio State. What did you kind of see from from your perspective in that difference? Yeah, no, that's we we. We met as or they came up and talked a little bit yesterday, just kind of here and there, and that's was something we talked about. Was uh, you know, I, again, I think it's our expectation level. You know, everybody tells us we're supposed to beat Baylor and and uh, and Iowa State by by sixty, and then when it's not happening at half, there's a an air of disappointment a little bit, and I think that's that's the whole thing we're talking about. We we got to get past that. We can't. Our expectations got to be to do our very best and play as hard as we possibly can all the time, and not worry about not worry about the score on the scoreboard or what other people think we should do. We just got to go be the best that, that honestly that we can be. As corny as that sounds, that's that's what we got to focus on right now. Have you, you coached another team that's been this hard on themselves, this kind of this level of perfection that, that they expect? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think. 
I think we had that little bit here uh, our first year. Um, I've, we've, I've, I've been on a couple of the teams. So a couple of those years, we were pretty good at Texas Tech. You have to deal with it. So it's, it's the double-edged sword, you know, and you've got to find that, that, that perfect point where you want them to be confident and you want them to have high expectations. But sometimes it can go overboard and be, be detrimental too. So we're, we're trying to balance that. Like I mentioned, effort as an issue defensively. Do you see that as a problem? And if so, how do you coach that? Uh, I honestly wouldn't agree with that. Uh, no, I, we've had we've had some some issues and things we got to get better at. But I, I see guys playing hard and flying to the football. I mean, even not not that we're trying too hard, but even several of those missed tackles the other day. That that third and one where they threw the bubble screen really sticks out. Where we've got four or five people there that are I mean flying to the football. I mean, Amani Bledsoe from the backside in is right there. I mean, and it you know so we we've got to. We've got to play better. We've got to do some better things fundamentally. But no, I don't think effort's been an issue at all. Again, Tom Herman so. announced that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to say who was going to start a quarterback. Is there any way you can use what you experience on Saturday to kind of plan for maybe two quarterbacks playing or either one? Just unsure. Well, I, I don't I don't feel like their guys are as different as what we saw Saturday. I mean, Saturday was two radically different things. I mean, I got the starting middle linebacker now. All of a sudden, comes in and you know, you know really what you're going to see. I think their two guys are probably both a little bit more versatile. So, I know there's a few differences between them. I know Ellinger's a little bit bigger guy. They run him a little bit more. We'll, we'll you know, prepare for that in the way that we see best. But I don't know that we could carry much over. How did Bledsoe grade out? He played pretty good. You know, he was some rush showed up, um, but. He was probably a little bit better than we thought he might be, you know, considering how long it's been since he's been in, in an actual game. Coach, you mentioned earlier about the cost of penalties. How do you address it, the penalties with the team and how they've, you know, been, been uh, hurting, the, the, especially on the defense? Yeah, no, we, we put it right in front of them. We, we don't shy away from it. And, uh, you know, those are things that, that have to get corrected or we'll be playing with different people in there. There's. Um... You've obviously got a lot of players from Oklahoma and a lot of players from Texas on this roster, but I think on the two deep there's something like 20 guys who are not from Oklahoma and Texas. Is that a challenge to get them to understand the, the magnitude of this game? That's a good question. I, I've, in the two years I've been here, we've had a pretty national roster, and I've never really felt like that it has been. I mean, they hear it for 365 days a year around here, so I think they, I think they get the point and. You know, again, when you walk into that stadium, you can certainly feel it. Does playing Texas after after a weekend like that, Orlando said that it, it helps a lot to play Texas after that rivalry game. Do you think it does, or do they not need any more motivation? Uh, rephrase your question. I'm not sure what you're asking. Basically, I'm asking, does playing Texas after this week help? Oh, okay, got gotcha. you. Uh, I don't know. I think in the past after a, after a tough loss we hadn't had many around here but when we've had them we've been able to respond you know regardless of of who we've played so i i would hope that we've got enough pride and i and i feel that we do have enough pride as a team that i think we'd be pretty motivated to go play you know norman junior high this week i really do I, I just want to clarify, uh, I thought you said we met yesterday when you were referring to the offense and Mobo said that there was sounds like there was a defense meeting did, how much did you meet with the offense yesterday was that a, a well we can't do yeah we can't do organized meetings with them that's that's their day off the guys they come through they can get treatment so a lot of times they 
come up there and check on us or you know we we get to see them individually a little bit here and there but we don't we can't have an organized meeting with them so then that would the players did get together though as an offense yeah no i think so i think some of our leaders got together a couple guys stopped through uh my office and we you know just talked about the game a little bit quickly here and there so that, that's got to be pretty informal on that day off like, how are your linebackers play right now uh, you know, Emmanuel Bills played well. Um, he's he's probably been our most consistent guy. Uh, you know, Kenneth, you know, is just he's he's making progress. He makes less mistakes each week. Um, uh, you know, he had he had one critical error on the one touchdown that we didn't get out uh, uh, when we blitzed him. <laughs> they threw it down here in the north end. Um, but I, I would say the probably the biggest disappointment from those guys was probably the two penalties, and then we we miss we still miss several tackles, you know, with those guys. So um, I think they're getting better. Uh, Caleb has been pretty strong for us. Uh, he's been pretty consistent. He had one play that came free that he missed a tackle on that ended up being a big run. Uh, but we're I think that group's been pretty solid for us. I think they got the chance to be a great group though, and we need them to take it to the next level. What'd you figure out in that meeting? What's that? Informal players coming by your office. What did you figure out? Oh, I don't know that figured out much. Again, it's just a chance to kind of get their pulse a little bit. You get you get a chance to kind of see how they are the day after the game. You know, you, you and uh, it's always good to after you've had a, a, a game like that, getting back around them is that's what makes you feel better as a coach. You know, and just getting back to work. That kind of a loss is just hasn't happened recently. And how would you gauge how everybody's doing? Bouncing back like emotionally, well, like we'll, well, I said I hadn't been around many of them yet, but I, I'm very confident now this group will respond. Lincoln, I think all of you after the game on Saturday talked in some form or fashion about how the last couple of years you've had that loss and gotten back yeah. on the right track. From your perspective, as you watch those guys rally and get back uh, into you know contention for titles and all that sort of thing, what have you seen as the hallmarks about how these guys have done that in the past couple of years? Oh, I think, I think there's a lot of things you could sit up here and talk about it for a while. I think it's been, I think, kind of a bonding experience for the team. Uh, uh, I think they stop listening to the outside world. Um, I think you kind of get back that 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 edge and kind of us against the world type mentality. Um, I think being able to, to, to keep and maintain your confidence throughout that is and the belief in, in the team that you have. Um, and then I think too that's that's part of why this is Oklahoma. I mean I think they that that's that's what's expected around here and that's what's happened around here a lot and I think that gives them a lot of motivation and confidence that if you know, a lot of teams have done it around here before and, and we shouldn't be any different. Thinking back to your first OU Texas, what do you remember the most, or what maybe what was your biggest takeaway from that game? Oh, it was a learning experience for me, and I said it right after. You know, it's a, it's a different game, it's a different atmosphere. It's it's almost like a almost it's closer to a bowl game to me than, than anything else, and uh, so it's uh, and I think you've got to you've got to have the kids in the right mind frame for it. Um, uh, the right mindset and uh, and you've got to be there as a coach as well and understand that you know regardless of what you've seen on tape from either team I mean it's going to be the best and the hardest that probably both those teams play all year and so uh, it's uh, I would have enjoyed it a lot more if we had won uh, but it was a, a good learning experience I certainly felt more prepared going into it last year
You said uh, Sunday was pretty rough for you personally. Uh, sounds like the fan base took it pretty hard too. Have you gotten any blowback or feedback from them? Uh, or have you had your ear to the ground listening? No, my, my ear my ear doesn't doesn't go to the ground. Yeah, I learned I learned that a long time ago. What uh, I mean, you got to appreciate the passion of the fan base. Yeah, no, I, no I, again, we want the expectations. I mean, we're as, as disappointed as they are. I promise you, there's not anybody more disappointed than than the people in that field house right now. I promise you. So we'll. But we're going to go back to work. We're very confident in the team that we have, and we are going to come back swinging like we always do. Is the overall strength of the Big 12 put you guys in a better position than perhaps in the past to get back to where you want to be by the end of the season? Maybe. Uh, it's still so early to say. You know, most people just played a couple Big 12 games, so it's 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 really early. I mean, I think I think in any year, you know. Even a couple of years ago, being a prime example that if you, you take care of business and do what you need to do, that you're going to have, and, and you take care of business in the non-conference like we did, that you're going to have a chance at the end of the year to accomplish the goals you want. I don't think this year's any different. I do think the league is, is strong, though, right now. I do. Bob, uh, Lincoln, Bob sense a frustration the last several years against Texas that he didn't seem his team was emotionally high for a rivalry game. Had you sensed that the last couple of years? Well, I definitely didn't sense it last year. You know, we before your first year. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, and I hadn't been there before, so I don't know maybe where that stemmed from. It was my first one, so I was still learning about it a little bit myself. Um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of that the first year. Texas was a little bit down, if I remember correctly, at that point. You know, and had 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 a couple of tough games and. I, I don't think we handled it very well, um, but last year, no, we were, we our, our guys were ready to go last year. There was zero doubt about that. You've been in the Big 12 Conference for a number of years now. You've got a, you've got your roots here. You've seen Texas at its best. What, what do you attribute the last five, six, seven years to Texas? Oh, kind of sliding. I, I mean, why, why does a program like that? Nah, I'm, I'm not getting into that. Nah, sorry. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of moving parts. And yeah, there is. No, there is. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be good. I mean, it's <laughs> it's hard, you know, and puts you, you know, it just gives you more respect, to, you know, to what's been done around here for a long time, you know, certainly. So, you know, we, but uh, I would just try to keep the focus on our program. Lincoln, you guys have not played well in Dallas four straight years. You won two of the games, but you didn't play up to your standards. You were only here for two of those, but have you talked as a group of why you haven't been playing well in the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think any time you can win that game, you play pretty darn well. Like I said, I wasn't there, whatever, I guess it was now three years ago. Um, again, that, that game's different. And again, I think you start worrying, it's kind of like this deal last week. You start worrying about the outside opinions or what a team's done before that. I mean, it doesn't matter in that game. You know that uh, both teams are damn good in that game every year, regardless if they're 0 and 5 coming in or 5 and 0. It doesn't matter. And uh, so, you know, that's I think any time you've got a chance to win on that field and you do, then you played a good ball game. And I thought we played a good ball game last year. Did it feel any different to lose for the first time as a head coach, losing as a head coach versus losing as a coordinator? Yeah, a little bit. How so? Oh, having the stand up here and talk about it for three days straight. <laughs> All right, there's the uh, Lincoln-Riley press conference from earlier today. Thanks to Toby. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at OU on the Air, uh, at Sooner Sports TV, 
and shoot us questions. We love different topics to get into. I didn't throw it out there today. I will later this week. And uh, we'll talk a little basketball, too. Well, we had a chance to catch up with Lon Kruger. Thanks to our buddy, Ben Jelly. So we'll talk to Lon coming up on Friday's podcast and get you ready for OU Texas. Until then, everyone have a great week. Shake it off and Boomer Sooner. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.